I'm Martin SFP Bryant, and you're listening to Geek Out Weekly. Every Friday, Matt Navarra and I get together on Twitter Spaces to discuss the week's social media news, based on what's in our weekly Geek Out social media newsletter, which also comes out every Friday. This week, we discussed Facebook's apparent pivot to privacy, Snap losing creators as its payouts decrease, the seemingly endless battle against racist abuse online, and lots, lots more. Just to let you know that over on the Geek Out with Matt Navarra podcast feed, you can hear our interview with Sophia Smith-Gayler, a journalist who has made her name by bringing her work to TikTok. And this coming Monday, the 16th of August, look out for our live interview with Carol Cadwallader and David Carroll of activist group The Real Facebook Oversight Board. That's at 4pm British summertime. That's 11am Eastern US time on Twitter Spaces. But back to right now, and let's go over to Matt to kick things off. Let's have a look at what we've got in there this week. Oh, so this is that story this week, the first thing about the emojis. I think we've seen a couple of these over the last few months and years, actually, um, around are we using a specific emoji in its true <laughs> definition as people see it now? And t- typically these are Gen-, Gen Z versus pretty much everybody else's usage of the um, emoji. And the latest one is the standard smile emoji being completely not what we would expect it to be, to be happy and it to almost be sarcastic, I think, in terms of the meaning from my recall because I read that at the beginning of the week. Um, are, are you using it wrong as well or are you really into this now and you know what you're doing with it? I try not to use the plain smiley emoji just because it seems a bit basic. <laughs> so uh, if I can, I use an old school um, text uh, smiley, um, uh, the colon and the, the bracket and, and do it that way because uh, I, I much prefer it to a plain um, uh, smiley. I'll, I'll do like the kind of open mouth grin sometimes um, as a, hey, I'm joking, hey, kind of thing. But uh, no, um, maybe I'm, I'm with Gen Z on this one. Well, and most, of the, most of these changes seem to kind of uh, morph out of their use on comments in TikTok comment threads, I've noticed, um, certainly in the last six to 12 months. So um, this is just another one of those. But on a more um, serious note, let's have a look at some of the other bits and pieces. Um, we're going to talk a bit about the Facebook's announcements to do the privacy uh, and advertising and targeting stuff in the big So I'm going to go into a bit more detail. But one of the other stories was around TikTok, because um, it's like everyone's like rushing now, all these platforms, to get these new features in to kind of and to be seen to have done as much as they could have done to mm-hmm. shield vulnerable younger users and, you know, the addictiveness of the app and all the stuff that we kind of hear. And so there's been a raft of these. I think YouTube's announced some things this week as well. Um, and I'm, Facebook and Instagram are constantly putting out new kind of bits. But this week, TikTok put out theirs. And I can't wait to see my uh, 11-year-old daughter's, uh, when she's in this <laughs> one, they're going to turn off notifications for TikTok for users under the age of, I think it's 16, isn't it? Um, and okay. it and and you know, I think it's slightly later for sort of slightly older teens that are using the app, so 13 to 15 and 15 to 16 or whatever. Um, so that's one thing they're going to do. So reduce the notifications so they don't get uh, alerted all the time. And then there's some also some other bits around, you know, uh, other features to do with commenting and uh, messaging and setting defaults. And this is the other thing that they tend to be doing now, of course, is changing the defaults up to the highest level for privacy for, for younger users, which, again, people are going to come back and, and snap about all that shit have been done a long time ago. Well, did you make of any of these changes? 
Uh, I mean, really good. I think the curfew one is uh, the notification curfew um, is quite a cool idea, actually. Um, uh, uh, what, what's not been really noted much in all of this is how this is actually tied to UK law, uh, which has changed. Yes. Um, yeah. And uh, it is interesting how not really uh, anyone. Uh, I saw Alex Hearn from The Guardian mentioned this earlier, saying like the US media hasn't really picked up on the fact that all these safety changes are coming in because of uh, these changes. But uh, in the UK, but Axios did um, yes. uh, earlier this week. Uh, so uh, if we just go to uh, their piece, uh, the UK in September will begin enforcing 15 new standards for websites likely to be accessed by users under 18, centered around protecting u- young users' online uh, privacy and well-being. Uh, so uh, they include setting a high privacy default. So that is why we're seeing all these come in now, because it's September when this comes in, and it's August now, so they've got to do it quickly. Yeah, and it's interesting to see you know, a lot of this um, is followed through for, uh, into, into the states, or at least the kind of the sort of motivation to push it on a bit more seems to be coming from from the UK or European sort of more strict rules mm-hmm. and laws around privacy, which is why we've got some of these features we can't have access to now within Messenger and, and WhatsApp because of the the previous rulings on <coughs> excuse me on privacy as well. Um, but let's jump into some other bits and pieces because we've got quite a lot to get through. And the other one was a quick one to do with Facebook's um, basically making it easier for you to quit Facebook if that's what you want to do, <laughs> or at least export, which is, I guess, the, the real yeah. kind of story. And um, this is a feature that's been kind of growing in the last sort of year or so. They added a couple of different options for exporting your media out of Facebook and Google uh, Drive was one of the first ones to be done but now there's some new ones photo bucket google calendar um so making more of these sort of features within facebook that you've kind of built up a content in and activity on uh you can export to more different uh, more products um, that you're probably more familiar with the, the other ones are like dropbox blogger google docs wordpress so there's quite a few uh in there that are pretty useful uh what else have we got in the newsletter so then we also had the uh instagram also launching its features as well they've launched a, a limit feature i won't go into too much detail because i think we discussed that in the, in the newsletter last week as well but it's another feature to help vulnerable young users limit the kind of exposure to some of the uh content that's coming through on their messages or, or on their on their posts um well so this news about the deal with giphy is a bit mm. of a pain in the ass for facebook i would imagine so facebook um uh, uh, tried to acquire or had acquired uh, giphy uh, in the stages of uh, for 400 million dollars uh, and now the uk regulator sort of competition this sort of ruling that views this as something that needs to be potentially unwound now uh, because of its impact potentially on other platforms. Uh, what did you make of all of this? Yeah, so this, this deal's been hanging in the air for, for ages now. Um, and I think some people just assume these deals just get closed and then they, they, they happen. But uh, uh, it's kind of been in, in a, a limbo state for quite a while. Um, uh, the, the basic argument here is that uh, Facebook, um, through owning Giphy, would have maybe almost like a monopoly on high quality gifts and access to high quality gifts um obviously there are other places you can get gifts but giphy is uh, a very good quality piece of software that people can uh, you know people can uh, implement the api and things and, and get access to uh giphy's um repository of gifts uh, so you have giphy integrations in all, all kinds of things so there's a risk uh, it is argued that facebook could actually uh, withhold 
gifts from companies it doesn't like. Uh, Facebook says there's no evidence that's going to happen. You know, they're thinking, no, we're not going to do that. You know, where have you got that from? There's no evidence of that. But I think it's a fair thing to worry about, um, although it does seem a bit weird that, uh, you know, they're not going after the Instagram or WhatsApp acquisitions. They're going after GIFs. <laughs> well, you know, there's always drama when there's a GIF, so I guess that kind of uh, makes sense there. But, um, but in other other news that we need to jump onto as well is uh, TikTok um, being declared the world's most downloaded app in 2020. This was kind of right away back in the last week almost now. Um, and uh, yeah, Facebook had been at the top. Um, well, one of its apps had been at the top for the last uh, few years. And now this is the first time another app has managed to topple that, um, which just, again, lends to the story about how TikTok has just come out of nowhere and is really now one of the few platforms that's been able to, to tackle the, the dominance of, of Facebook, I guess. Um, um, but I guess for most people also, it's not particularly surprising, given everything that's in the news tends to be around positive things that TikTok has achieved or achieving with a little bit of the usual stuff around what they should be doing with data and things. Um, but this is, a, this is a good bit of PR for, for TikTok, I would say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not surprising at all, I'd say. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you, like, you saw that news and, like, you're like well, you know, I've, I've kind of seen that coming based based on uh, uh, charts through the year. But, uh, but yeah, um, it just show, it goes to show just how uh, excited people are over it. And, and I think a lot of it is just that kind of growth as because um, uh, TikTok has, uh, pub- has kind of publicized itself all over football stadiums around the world and all that kind of things. So it's really going mainstream, massive TV advertising push and things uh, probably more so than any other app that people probably you know you see facebook tv ads for example but most people use facebook they're not going to gain new users through that tiktok still has a huge opportunity to grow its user base and it's spending big on that so that's paying off in terms of downloads yeah um in other completely different news twitter's uh, algorithm for photo cropping apparently you know it favors young thin beautiful females um so uh, another one of these examples of the kind of how many of these features within apps can suddenly turn out to have a lot of bias built into them because of uh, either whether it's coding errors or whether it's you know inherent bias in, in the way the algorithm's been developed but um this one didn't get as much attention as i thought it would in the news but i think this you know this is follows on from se- several other stories like this over the last couple of years doesn't it yeah we we know that uh, algorithms like this are biased uh and in if anything it's actually a good news story for twitter because they were encouraging people Mm. to look into its code and find these kinds of uh biases and there were a bunch of other ones as well you know it's it's biased against people with white hair for example um (laughs) so uh so uh, and um uh, non-western uh kind of like non-roman scripts so um text that uh, doesn't use the kind of letter set that english does um uh, it's kind of arabic and things um it was biased against those so think, think you know things, things like um russian or arabic and things so um you know a few of these things have come up and it, it's good because then they can it once once you're aware of these biases you can uh, train against them and learn in the future and uh, and all that good stuff so i i think it's good and more companies should open up their algorithms to this kind of external scrutiny just for the simple reason that it makes their products better yeah yeah i agree absolutely and um 
some other bits of news from some of the platforms, Instagram's um, doing uh, ads or testing out ads in its uh, shop tab. Uh, kind of for some reason thought that they were kind of doing that already or something. It kind of all molds into one when you start all these new bits <laughs> come into the Instagram app, but um, they are starting to test it in, in certain uh, markets. So you'll start seeing more ads if you spend time trying to buy stuff within the, the platform. Uh, WhatsApp is also testing some features to give you some really basic image editing tools like and basically to annotate and decorate images before sharing them through the WhatsApp for the web desktop kind of um, version of WhatsApp for those that use it. Uh, and finally, the other bit was um, Twitter Spaces, actually, which we haven't used this feature um, uh, yet because uh, I'm not Spaces for a, a good week. Um, but you can now use the handheld emoji, um, a raised hand emoji, I should say, to signal you want to question um, or want to speak when you are one of the speakers in a space. Um, Let's try it uh, now. And there you go. And then I guess I can just tap that and then, yeah, then add. So that's quite useful. That's a really handy one. Although the one that I really want at the moment is to be able to schedule multiple spaces because at the moment um, we've got like this um, today, but we've also got one on Monday. And so you can always just have to pick which one is one's going to get scheduled and everyone's going to find and which one's the one that's going to be on the day they discover it. Um, so I would hope that multiple um, scheduling would come soon. So um, let's jump into the main bit of news that's in the, uh, the newsletter. Some other bits and pieces near the bottom, actually. Uh, should we cover those? Yeah, let's do those as well. Uh, creators, yeah, Twitter's got a new cr- a research community for creators. Have you joined this? Did you see this, Mark? I applied for it, yes. I would imagine a lot of people would. I think the mention of free swag is what pulled me into <laughs> it um, as soon as I saw that. But yeah, it looks like one of the uh, more of these insider communities for those that are really into like, testing all the new features or giving feedback on, on new products that are coming out or things that are needed. Um, so specifically for creators, uh, Twitter's leaning into that with a, a new research community. I think if you go to um, at Twitter research, there's a tweet from yesterday, which I shared that um, uh, it's got all the information you need. Uh, also, influencers is this shift now towards genuine influencers? Is that the word? Is that what I was saying? But basically, this shift that there's the interest in influencers that are from the likes of Instagram, which are more aspirational or inspirational, is kind of moving out of favor. And it's been shifting more to this word that was kind of a buzzword all of last year and a bit of this year about being authentic and, and genuine and real and less perfected, uh, which TikTok is what it is all about and why it's so popular, I think, compared to um, or make comparisons are made in the contrast is with Instagram. Um, but um, this is not a new, massively new phenomenon right now, though, I wouldn't say. Would you, uh, this has been shifting for since COVID, I would say. What do you think, Martin? Um, I'm, all I will say to this right now, and this is the perils of doing things live at home, is somebody knocked on my door and I thought it was two car seats from my car being delivered. So I had to <laughs> rush to the door and it was some guy with some flyer. So I'll just say, yes, Matt. Um, whatever you say. No, honestly, I, 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 I couldn't hear what you said. <laughs> I was ducking around the house. <laughs> Have you seen the tw- um, Twitter's new um, font, by the way, as you're talking, I was looking yes. at the space here and it actually looks really nice on, I- on iOS. The, um, the new design with the new font, it just really st- looks much cleaner and, and it yeah. pops, it just looks slick. And when I first saw it this morning and it kind of changed, I was like, oh, this looks a bit weird. I do think that yeah, this confusion between the, the color, the black and um, white a follow button and, and confu- people think it should be the other way around. So when you're looking, if you're already following someone, it should be mm. black. And when you're not following them, 
the Michelin almost white, but it's not as the other way around. So it's confusing. Yeah, although I can see why they've done it that way around because yeah, yeah. A, a black button, it feels more pressable. Like yeah. it feels like saying press here, whereas a white button, um, you know, the, the inverse of that is kind of lighter and it feels less pressable. So I can see why people are confused because it's kind of the reverse of what they're used to. But at the mm. same time, I can see why they've done it because you're more likely to hit that follow button, I think. Yeah, I think you're, yeah, it's a, a weird one. But there's lots of debate about it. There's a couple of um, articles that are out there talking about the kind of confusion as to how mass confused people are. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, Facebook's big thing is like pivot to privacy, as I put it in a tweet, mm. which is a question rather than a statement, I should have said. Um, but um, yeah, you know, there's all this debate that's been going on for ages and battling between Facebook and Apple regarding you know, the um, ad tracking features and then um, the targeting of ads um, in general. And then the, the shift over the last few years around privacy and Apple making it their kind of like, it's, a, it's their core thing and Facebook having to close back what what then the trust that they've got from anybody from the previous things that they've been caught doing um and so now they've um, kind of after attacking apple massively in, in the media and, and going hard at their pr on kind of trying to put out there as apple as the kind of the bad guy and, and anyone else that's other than themselves it seems to have kind of like a backtrack now and not necessarily backtrack but certainly in trying a new approach mm. uh, which is is basically saying that well okay we want to be a part of creating a new version of a platform for ads that is can still make us lots of money and still give everyone the targeting they want almost but in a more privacy kind of focused way um and so they've come out with kind of some of their standards that all things they would like i guess to make a standard for for this kind of ad tech and targeting stuff well, what have you made of all of this this shift in emphasis now it, it's nothing more than a press release at the moment essentially is it um mm. it, there's not a lot more to it than that uh, they, they've uh, they, i mean they they say they've got hundreds of developers working on this now um these uh, privacy uh, enhancing technologies pets yeah. uh, and uh, so it's things like um, secure multi-party computation on device learning and differential privacy so a lot of these things are things that if you've been paying attention to privacy technology over the last you know, many years you will have heard of these things before it's just that uh, facebook is now talking about applying these to advertising and ad targeting and uh, so that that's progress but facebook has announced things before that then haven't materialized uh, for many years if at all uh, and so i think we should say okay nice now let's see what you do with it um and until then uh, i'd say that uh, calling it any more than um, a press release and an interesting development in their uh, their dispute with apple uh, i think that you'd be going too far to say anything more than that really yeah no, I think you're, and you're right. At the moment, it, it, it's a lot of uh, a big talk, but there's uh, there's still lots to, to be done on it. And of course, you know, out there, there's there's other competing kind of uh, versions of this sort of stuff, or things that are you know mm. being worked on. Which is this Google? Is it Flock? Um, yeah, that's a learning of cohorts. Which is kind of similar but different into the, to the things that Facebook um, is suggesting here or is creating here. Um, but that Google version hasn't gone down particularly well with a lot of parties. And it's kind of, it doesn't look like it's going to become uh, the de facto kind of change, is it? It's still got its own, it's got its own problems, hasn't it? Yeah, they've, they've delayed it now. It was going to get implemented um, much sooner than it is going to be. So, uh, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But uh, I think what we're looking at here is a 
massive shift in the way the internet works. Uh, one of the things you saw um, up until probably about six months ago, a lot in um, some, from Silicon Valley blowhards was, um, oh, these people wanting privacy. It's just the way the internet works. We track things. That's just the way it works. And you, we learn things about you, um, which uh, I think is a, quite a... Uh, a, a very kind of restricted, um, small C conservative way of looking at the world of saying, oh, well, you know, that's just the way it works. It can't change. Why should it? Um, you're just, you know, you, you want you wanting to be more private? Well, just, you know, forget you kind of thing. Uh, but um, I think that uh, the, the, the winds are definitely blowing in a different direction now. And uh, so although things like Google flock and uh, what, Facebook is working on here, you know, the version one, version two might not work out, but the direction of travel that indicates that that's where we're going and uh, things uh, will, technologies around things like targeting will factor in privacy a lot more uh, uh, significantly in the future. And I think across all of this stuff that where any of the, the court cases or hearings or potential new um, bills of, and laws and uh, requirements for these platforms, as that creeps closer to becoming a reality or, or, or being dug into, we're seeing increasingly amounts of new features, uh, new policies and new promises from the platforms to, to sort of show that they've done a lot, you know, in the last few years or two to address some of this stuff to get ahead of the, uh, the storm, so to speak. But um, we'll see how many of these actually stick i guess um and the thing for the uk the big change here is going to be this online harms bill which is you know it is very much upon us nearly isn't it, isn't it? next year that it might become finalized or is it sooner than that um but either way this is all part of that kind of stuff as well and uh, i'm interested to see how it, how it takes um, shape over the next few months um let's look at snap because snap um, creators this to me didn't seem like anything surprising here that um, so snap was offering people um uh, one million pounds payday per day they're giving away for all things to do with content for its spotlight features kind of bits <laughs> like t- and like tiktok in some ways um and so they were giving a horrendous amount of money away horrendous in, in terms of how much it was hemorrhaging so quickly um and it kind of backed down after a while i think it was i'm sure it was a figure of 150 200 million maybe i'm wrong dollars that was uh, given out um and so now they're kind of pulling back on that which um, they have kind of made clear they said it quite transparently um but the fact that um, it's become quite erratic and the money is dried up in the in the well for the for the creators at Snapchat. They are now um, just kind of a bit like oh, right. And so they've already just looked to see which next next bucket of money money is rolled down to them uh, from from another platform. But I think this this whole idea of kind of quick bits of funds is is a is a risky strategy, isn't it? It's quite an expensive way to go. Yeah, I mean, I can understand why platforms do it. Uh, obviously, because you want to encourage creators, you want to get people excited about it. But creators are generally pretty um, savvy people who aren't just, you know, the you know, not necessarily just teenagers with a bit of, have a bit of free time who want to have some fun and uh, are doing it for the shares and the the likes and things there if there's money involved if they think oh well i can make money from this they'll go where the money is just like any creator in any form of artistic endeavor will do that and so the idea that um you can pump a load of money to people and then they'll stick around without a plan in place to make sure that they can still make money when you're not directly you know just handing it out uh, for free uh, then you know there needs to be a plan in place before you stop giving that money. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think that I've been reading lots of articles in the last few weeks about kind of um, the secret to TikTok success. And then some of these other t- um, sort of th- um, the apps and tools have become really popular really quickly, like the things that happen with the popularity of Clubhouse initially and stuff. Uh, and a lot a word that kept sticking out to me was this idea of a flywheel and, and the, you know, the principle of kind of these are kind of uh, 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 ecosystems of content in there TikTok. There's, there's sound, there's audio that's out there, there's other people's videos that are out there, and then there's memes that are going around, and it's just a melting pot you can just dip into, and then the more you have a one thing, it helps feed another, and then it feeds another thing, and it keeps the whole thing you know growing exponentially because it's just a constant sort of circle of activity that uh, makes these apps so successful. But you know the remixing culture, um, and you know you can see the idea of pumping in a big chunk of money to a you know a bunch of influential creators who are very good at what they do, or you know, or at least bringing a, a source of new content there could you know help uh, keep that flywheel going or, or kickstart it. So I do see some you know that and many other reasons why it's a good idea but um i think uh, stability for, for creators would be pretty good to sort of have a, a clearer plan of how it's going to look over a longer term and, and some commitments around that with a more sort of ongoing maybe smaller fund that supports uh, creators it makes more sense to me than sometimes a, a land grab but it's a bit of a war out there isn't it <laughs> so yeah they, yeah they are exactly. fighting. once one put once one company's done it you're like oh we should we have to do it too and uh, still haven't done it that's the one i want Come on, Twitter. <laughs> Somebody has got to pump up some cash. Um, anyway, let's <laughs> go on to the story about Facebook um, here, which uh, about racist abuse of England oh, soccer players, oh, football oh. players. And this is a story that was also, you know, covered in, re- in relation to Twitter, um, which has had a lot of flack. And, and also this week came out with some information around the uh, racism that was spotted and reported to them around uh, the, the same sort of uh, time. Um, but this, you know, there's a story. This one's in the New York Times. It sort of goes back and looks over kind of uh, face. Facebook's uh, approach to the, you know, and the failures it's had in, in this area of stopping you know, um, racism and racist content being published in the first place and, and then its kind of reaction to it since. Um, what, what do you think of kind of the, the, the commentary in this particular piece? What did you, did you yeah, uh, I, th- I think the, the, the issue for Facebook here is that they've looked at this problem of um, racist abuse going through their platform and thought, well, what can we do about it? Well, what's the easiest way to do something about it? It's to build features to make sure that the people who it's directed at don't see it. So then these people who are affected by this um, uh, this abuse then have to think about all the abuse they've had and put in all the keywords, <laughs> uh, all the emojis and everything else that they get, and they have to set that up themselves um, and think about all the abuse they get and block it um, by entering it into, their, into, like, into the settings. Uh, that's not a very good way of doing it, is it? Um, not a very sustainable uh, long-term thinking way of doing it it's kind of papering over the cracks rather yeah. than uh looking at it from a very basic level now i do think um one thing um that um uh, adam um, sorry from uh, instagram said this week was uh, he was kind of talking about how this isn't an easy problem to solve uh, at all and it, it's more than just about features it's more than just about using ai and things it's it's really you know in the end 
society is is massively at fault if, if this is happening and it's it goes beyond just a technical solution uh so yeah it, i understand that it's very very difficult indeed but at the same time uh facebook going to professional footballers and saying right here's what you have to do to stop our platform being um toxic for you <laughs> isn't uh, isn't isn't the greatest messaging i don't think um uh, yeah and the, the twitter stuff was interesting because uh, yeah. they they said that um of, of all the abuse um of uh, footballers um uh, that they uh, looked at during euro 2020 um of uh, 99% of the accounts uh, twitter suspended for sending abusive messages um uh, via its platform uh, were not from anonymous accounts um which you know if you take that at face value uh it is an argument perhaps depending on how good the uh, uh how good the um uh, process is for um uh, suspending accounts um that possibly is an argument against uh making uh forcing uh, people to ha- put their names to their accounts and things um and the idea of an anonymity uh, being a uh, banning anonymity in some way being a solution to all of this well yeah it was uh, it's been another cr- quite busy week week in terms of moderation features and policy announcements and and general shifts as we saw in some of the earlier stories to do with uh, facebook and the other platforms um but all of this stuff's gonna be quite interesting because we're gonna have a conversation on on Monday in the Twitter space with a couple of people from the real, as they call themselves, the real Facebook <laughs> oversight board. So we've got um, uh, Carol Cadwalder and, and Professor David Carroll, and she'll recognise probably some of those names because Carol was um, probably most famously known for breaking uh, some of the story to do with Cambridge Analytica, which caused a massive amount of problems for, for Facebook and, and a shock to a lot of people in terms of what may or may not have gone on. And then, of course, Professor David Carroll was um, featured quite heavily in the Netflix documentary, The Great Hack, uh, and talking about and, you know, his concerns with, with social media and, and, and both of them particularly with, with Facebook. Um, so we're going to have a conversation with them and talk about some of the kind of stuff that uh, people know them for, I guess, but also looking at where things have moved on since those um, stories and since those programs mm-hmm. and how they view both the real Facebook, the real, real Facebook website <laughs> board, and also what, they're, what they see themselves as doing and what the purposes of what they're doing is. Um, and just get some opinions and ideas and thoughts around all of the stuff that we talk about in here, actually, to um, bounce off them and see what they what they think. It's going to be quite an interesting one, I would have thought. What do you say? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and if you've got any uh, questions you want us to put to them, um, then uh, we're, we're, we're kind of planning all, all that out at the moment. So uh, feel free to uh, DM us or drop us a tweet and let us know. Uh, but uh, yeah, the Real Facebook Oversight Board are an interesting uh, organisation. Um, recently, they laid out a load of body bags outside uh, Facebook's Washington DC uh, office uh, to uh, protest against um, Facebook's handling of vaccine misinformation. So they're trying all sorts of different ways to uh, raise awareness of uh, things uh, they don't like with Facebook. So I think one thing that will be interesting to talk to them about would be um, how much this approach is effective for them, uh, given that Facebook themselves uh, probably won't want to engage with them or um, uh, take them that seriously, uh, given uh, the kind of relationship between the two, uh, the two, the two groups of people involved. Absolutely. Well, there's loads of stuff to dig into, and if you want to just tune into that conversation, listening to hear what they have to say and what we um, what we ask them, then it's on this coming Monday, on the 16th of August, at 4 p.m. 
British time, British summertime. Um, and if you don't catch it, we're going to put it out in a podcast version of it a few days later. But uh, it's more interesting when it's live. So join us then. It'll be good fun. Um, let's get into some other bits before we wrap up. We've got about 15 minutes or so, I would say. So some other news for dotting around the platforms. Uh, WhatsApp's uh, CEO, CEO who was, um, or boss, was on our show actually a couple of weeks back uh has come out about his um, thoughts on apple's child safety tools announcement this this has been like a huge story for apple this last week or two in terms of their handling of the comms it's a bit like a whatsapp or, yeah. uh, for different reasons um in terms of it i don't i don't propose we go into the intricacies no. of it now but but you know what have you made of both the fact that apple uh and how they've announced this and and what the whatsapp reaction to it well uh, it's interesting for a Facebook affiliated company to be on the, on the right side of a privacy scandal. For it, is, uh, it doesn't sure. happen very often. Although Will Cathcart probably has the best placed role within the within Facebook as an organization for being on the right side of these uh, arguments because WhatsApp is end to end encrypted. Uh, and uh, you know, it, 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 it makes a big selling points of its uh, of, of its uh, privacy features so he is able to uh, talk about this stuff and advocate for uh, end-to-end encryption without backdoors for governments and all of that kind of stuff which so he can basically be on the side of the the, the privacy advocates um, one of the few people at Facebook who can uh, so uh, so yeah it wasn't really a surprise that he came out and and, uh, and said that uh, it's, it's more a surprise that Apple fumbled the communications around this uh, so much but um, I I think they probably thought that uh, when you're talking about child safety, that everything else falls into the background. But uh, uh, child safety, as important as it is, uh, is always, you know, you've got to balance it against the greater privacy for all of us and uh, where opening up holes in that privacy may lead us in the future. I definitely recommend if you haven't, um, for those who haven't caught up with the what it is that people are, are concerned about with Apple's announcement for how it will um, report or auto detect uh, child abuse kind of imagery, um, then you should find an explainer. There's a couple of explainers on most of the major news platforms about it, and, and get, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting and difficult uh, challenge. And this yeah. you know goes to the heart of the issues of you know should things be end to end encrypted or not. Um, so yeah, definitely worth a, a look if you haven't uh, caught up with uh, what's going on with all that stuff. Um, there was some other bits and pieces. Uh, there was a brand that did a bit of a test to see um, if it used Facebook's uh, brand safety tools to stop its ads appearing next to anything that's controversial or, or what it wouldn't want to be associated with uh, and doing it automatically for you, how it would affect their kind of ad prices and reachings. And there's a stat from an article in AdAge that uh, says that it was about 15% more spent or it cost them 50% more for ads um, when it was near sensitive, if they wanted it to be, you know, not run next to sensitive topics. So it seems like it's a premium to be kept safe from the bad stuff that's on Facebook. Yeah. Is, is Although the kind this of, is just a test at the moment. It's still something they're testing. So it might not end up like that in the end. But uh, at the same time, you can understand why Facebook would want to charge more for that if, if it's something extra they're offering. That's it. And are you an investor in Reddit? 
Am I in I'm the mystery not. <laughs> I'm not. But, they, they, but for those that are, they've been valued at more than ten billion this week in a, a new round of funding, a four hundred ten million pound uh, dollars, sorry, of funding, uh, and, and on its uh, way to getting listed on the stock market. Reddit kind of kind of seems to come and go in terms of seeing it in the news and things it's up to and doing. It kind of keeps itself pretty quiet, it, given all the stuff that we have with the concerns and worries about sorts of shocking content and things that people are offended by and stuff. I'm, I'm actually feel quite surprised in the last year that i can think, only think of a few times that it's been read it's been at the center of a, a big news story around this stuff whereas all the other yeah. platforms have it's funny how they've just kind of stayed out of the limelight but, well, they, but they had a lot of problems a few years ago uh and uh, they seem to have uh worked their way through those and uh, managed to because uh, part of it is that people don't really see it in the same way as other social platforms it feels more like an old school kind of message board type vibe mm, a and popular so, one though yeah absolutely a massively popular one but because it's got that different vibe it doesn't necessarily get bundled in with the other uh, social platforms uh, but they they've gone through the whole like oh should we have free speech or should we not kind of thing and uh, what should we uh, restrict and uh, they they've chewed over all of that and uh, handle things there uh, arguably a lot better than they used to so uh, so yeah uh, they, they have similar challenges but maybe uh, they're not quite thought of in the same way so they get a bit of a, more of a pass in the media yeah, um, some other um, stories about fe- new features related to all this privacy stuff. Um, so YouTube, uh, we talked about it earlier, they, they've made, are going to make children's uploads private by default, which just surprises me and shocks me that it wouldn't be by default mm-hmm. already. I think it's just a change of the times. Like, it wouldn't have crossed my mind maybe years ago, but certainly now it's surprising to hear that that's only just being done. Um, YouTube's also launched a massive spend on a global campaign to promote shorts, uh, a bit like TikTok blitz, blitzing everyone. You know, YouTube is having to make a similar amount of effort to to um, cut through the noise, I guess, and it's doing so um, on, on rival platforms, which is, you know, tried and tested tactic. It makes complete sense. Go, go where the audiences that you would like more of uh, on your app so um yeah and bts i think are in their campaign and some other um, big names uh, celebs are in it so i haven't caught up with the ads myself um let's have a little jump down uh there's loads of stuff about lionel uh messi and his joining of paris saint-germain with the club change because i was the center of a fake news storm and i had deeply apologized for it was about um someone again sent me an image of a uh, comparison of the PSG Instagram account, um, presumably after I've had the conversation days before and then after the announcement, and it jumped by significant millions and millions of followers. Um, and so I checked out briefly, but I was on, on Classic Era doing multiple other things, thinking, oh, it's fine, you know, and, and pushed it out. And within about a minute, I um, had got a message like, no, it's not real, it's not legit. So I quickly removed it. I think it was up for all of a couple of minutes at most. And then it's now been days and days of like responses of people sort of quoting the tweets, having a screenshot of the tweet, even though it's deleted. Even though I've also added extra tweets to say actually, you know, that information is incorrect. Um, but still, he has had a massive effect in terms of their following and a um, huge amount of growth in, in their, all of their social media accounts. And then some guy who was a, a fan and a, a big um, 
Twitch star managed to get an interview with him and they had a huge number of people. I think 317,000 people tune in to an interview with him on, on Twitch. So uh, uh, good news for Amazon there, I guess. Um, let's jump down. There's only other last bits and pieces. There's loads of stuff this week. In, there's a great chart in there that was picked up from the information and they did a great comparison of the features on the major platforms, uh, You know which ones have got stories, uh, live streaming, shopping features, live audio. And so catch up with that. It's a uh, useful uh, summary and and this stat well, even though I, it wasn't like shocking to me it still made me think about it the, the number that was pumped out from the book um, that's uh, been written about TikTok saying that 91% of TikTok users never post a video um, and that fits in with the, many of the stats you kind of hear in general general principles of how people use apps and how people um, uh, as people's activity on, on platforms like this did it surprise you it was as high as that? Um, it didn't surprise me actually because uh, there is a quite high barrier to entry to uh, creating TikToks. I mean, it's not that high, but mm. it's a lot higher than Instagram. It's a lot higher, you know, talking about Reels, uh, it's a lot higher than uh, Twitter or, or any other uh, platform, really, uh, to do something that's eye-catching. You have to learn the interface first. Now, people who've gone, done a few videos can fly through it, but most people, uh, it's going to be quite intimidating, and you don't know if you're going to reach the standard that other people have reached. I can understand why you wouldn't do it. I have done very few uh, videos on, on, on TikTok, and I've, I've tried a few and then not published them because I wasn't happy with them. Um, I've only actually, I think I've only actually published one in the whole time. I've never <laughs> published TikTok. a single video to yeah. my TikTok account, and my and daughter is extremely pissed about it because, of course, the account's verified and just sits there and, and is not being used other than, for <laughs> me to, other than for me to kind of claw around the app and figure out what's different, what's new, what's changed, and to watch lots of TikTok videos. I don't create on the platform. Mm. I'm certainly not at the moment. My daughter wants to take it over and, and do something with it. But, um, <laughs> but in other features of these platforms, um, uh, Instagram Stories is testing an undo button for, um, for, for Instagram Stories bits. So that's going to be uh, assuming or hoping that you can undo and redo. That'd be quite handy to jump around as you're creating because the number of times you've kind of done something and you go, oh, got to go back to the beginning and start again or do something or you forget something and, uh, and accidentally remove it. Uh, that's, that's a genius added little uh, extra feature. Don't know when it's coming out though. It looks like it's only just started uh, appearing in the sort of code of some of the app. Um, Let's go down to the other bits. I think, well, we're coming out to quarter two, so let's go down to the weekend reads. There's a, the other sections, for those who have never read the Geek Out newsletter, the one that's pinned in the space, as you go down, it gives you all of the individual smaller, granular, tiny stories and new features that are really only just being spotted, being tested by all of the main social apps. So if you're into all that kind of stuff, that's what that bottom section of the newsletter is all about. Um, and then finally, the weekend reads. There's a, a couple of good ones. This one, I think, was actually put out Friday, so it didn't quite make it... Uh, uh, into last week's, but it's a story from um, CNN about the deep fake Tom Cruise account and the, and the making of um, of the deep fakes. Um, it's, it's this stuff is amazing. Have you seen some of the new ones that are on his account now? They got different celebrities that they've done yeah. with the same technology. What did you make of it all? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm really interested in uh, what they want to do with this uh, technology and uh, how they're going to basically turn it into a, uh, a business, uh, doing everything from making older entertainers appear younger to creating video doubles of famous people that we use to make commercials or any type of content without needing to be physically on set. And you can see how 
that could be massively game-changing in terms of celebrity endorsements and just the practicalities of things. Now, obviously, uh, there are all sorts of ethical considerations of, you know, is, did, did, did this person really do it? How much are we fooling people if, we're, if, if, the, if it's a deep fake? Uh, all that kind of thing. But just for sometimes, especially if it's a film, if it's a movie, it doesn't matter so much if it's, you know, a little deep faked bit. We see so many, you know, so much of a film. It'd be great for um, the voiceover artists world or, or not. Well, no, it's going to be a nightmare for the sort of when they create audio deep fakes, mm. what they are already doing, mimicking yeah. a voice with just a few collections of, of audio from somebody famous who's got, you know, someone like you know, Morgan Freeman, for example, suddenly you can get a computer <laughs> to can, can generate whatever you want him to say anytime. That's, that's intellectual well, property lawyers are going to make a killing. Yeah, especially especially the the bootleg deep fake. So the the official Morgan Freeman uh, deep fake um, would be uh, quite expensive, I'm sure, uh, if you wanted to use that in your your advert. Uh, but uh, then the the bootleg one that somebody's created from just recording a lot of uh, uh, Morgan Freeman uh, voiceovers um, would be <laughs> that's really cheap. Um, yeah, uh, it'd be interesting um, copyright and uh, all sorts of other. Um, uh, legal issues around that uh, very interesting uh, just just recently there was a controversy over the documentary uh, about uh, anthony bourdain that uh, um, featured uh, an email he'd written and uh, some other pieces of text that he'd ri- uh, written over the years but he's dead now and so they deep faked his voice to oh read God. them and um, it, it would have been fine if they'd have just disclosed the fact if they just said this is how we've reconstructed it you know it's, it's a re- digital reconstruction of what it would have sounded like if they'd have said that it's fine but by hiding it, it's it's really unethical. Uh, so there's all sorts of ethical considerations are going to come into this stuff as it uh, explodes into the mainstream over the next few years. I didn't mention it earlier, but at the top of the newsletter, um, there is a link to um, uh, Warner Brothers film, which is uh, called Reminiscence, and it got a sort of a deep fake feature within the sort of promo material on the website, where you can upload a photo of yourself, and then it does some weird stuff with it. It, it, it puts you in a, a small trailer for the for the movie. Um, so if you're into kind of stupid weird uh, tools for promotional purposes for movies, they've got a deep fake thing on Warner Brothers Reminiscence uh, website. Um, what was the other ones? Do you have any other uh, weekend reasons you thought were particularly good this week? Um, I, I thought the, the text memes are taking over Instagram uh, piece by Taylor Lorenz uh, was worth reading. Um, if only, well, one one notable reason is it's the first time the word shit posting has ever been featured in the New York Times. <laughs> I love the uh, fact that this story, because it was um, someone did a tweet, I can't, can't credit the person because I can't remember who it was, but somebody um, posted somewhere about the fact that this article, um, uh, Taylor Lorenz obviously talks about shit posting and kind of like the sort of texty sort of old school basic look of these some of these sort of posts and content um and then it's on put a comparison next to um, adam mosery from uh, instagram saying we want uh, instagram to be the vi- a video entertainment destination for people and then you just got this post by taylor lorenz of actually what people are actually doing on the platform <laughs> and what is really trending and really popular but no it is a good it is a really good piece um and there's a few other bits in the weekend reads this week to do with uh the olympics and, and tiktok's kind of takeover of it um with its kind of stealth the uh, marketing tactics, I guess you could call it, um, and a few other bits and pieces uh, that are worth a read. So, yeah, definitely have a look at that. I think that's about it for this week. Um, other than the fact that next week we've got uh, Monday, four o'clock in UK time, and conversation with the real Facebook oversight uh, ball, which is going to be good on Twitter Spaces. Um, I'm going to wrap up things. How? Uh, what's your weekend looking like, Martin? Anything good? 
Um, I've got my entire weekend to myself, so I'm going to do all sorts of little bits of boring housework that I never get a chance to do, and just kick back and play video games and that kind of thing. So uh, it's going to be good. Good stuff, good stuff. I'm going to break out as well for the weekend, so everyone have a good one, and uh, we're back here on Monday at 4pm for a chat with the real Facebook board. 